Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 349. Thank you for tuning in. Whew. Lots to talk about this week. First of all, what is this podcast? If you're new, you may have noticed I said episode 349. There's been 349 episodes. This podcast has had a lot of different names. First, it was I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Then a little unfortunate side sideways dip into having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. Too, too complicated. And I've always just wanted to call it no fun. So here it is, no fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. My Lord, I don't hope to change the name again. I don't think I will. Episode 349. But the podcast remains the same, even though it's had different names. So what what is this? If you're new, I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm a comedian. I've got two comedy specials on Netflix streaming right now. Feel free to watch them. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living are the names of them. I say feel free to watch them if you want jokes. If you watch them, it, I don't get paid every time you watch them or anything like that. I'm also a, an author. You can find my two books anywhere you buy books. I can barely take care of myself and I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself. But this podcast is where I can just come to be myself, tell you about what's going on in my life, maybe comment about what's going on in the world or other stupid crap. It's like a friend leaving you a long voicemail, which is really something not many people understand because you really would get cut off after 90 seconds and no one listens to their voicemail, but you get what I'm saying. It's a one-sided conversation. It's not joke per minute. It's sometimes funny, sometimes serious, always honest and real. 
Now, this is normally the part of the podcast where I will tell you all my tour dates, but there are no tour dates. Everything is canceled for 2020. I'll tell you where I was going. I was going to Buffalo, New York. I was going to Bloomington, Indiana. I was going to New York City. I was going to Brooklyn. I was going to Seattle. I was going to Portland. I was going to Phoenix. I was going to Dallas. And I think that's, and I was going to uh, Spokane, Spokane, Spokane. But those are all canceled and or rescheduled. Uh, some of them were rescheduled for um, early 2021. And I already moved those back. So I won't be going anywhere until May. That's my guess of when it'll feel. Uh, listen, I don't think that this COVID will be eradicated from America. And we're going to talk about that in this week's episode. Again, as I said, in a fun way. And so there's still going to be a risk in May. So there's a world where I just don't tour for three years. I don't know. And I'm not sure how I feel about it because it's easy to romanticize what I miss about touring and forget all the hard parts. It's one hour of good, 40 hours a week of not good when you're touring. You're promoting and checking ticket sales and you're flying and driving and thising and thatting. And it's just like, ugh, you know, it's like any other job. Do I miss being on stage? I guess a little bit, but I can't even comprehend it because who I am right now is someone that has gained weight and I don't want anyone to look at me. You know what I mean? And I know I look fine and what I just, I don't feel like myself and I can't fit into the clothes I like to wear on stage. So for me, I'm like, no, I don't miss it, but maybe I do and I'm just all shut down. I don't fucking know. And I really don't care. It doesn't really matter how I feel about it. It is what it is. Got it? So, but here's where I will advertise my Patreon. If you are a fan of mine and you would like to see me at my, <laughs> at my worst in my home, then please join and you can see all my different hair scarves. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. You get a bonus video. Like you get this episode with the video version. The video version has bonus material in it. Each week you get a 20-minute bonus episode depending on how much you're paying. There's a one-hour bonus episode every month as well depending on how much you're paying. There's merchandise depending on, you know, you get the idea. And I throw in free bonuses all the time. If I find some stand-up in my phone that I've recorded, I throw that on there. Right now, if you joined at only the $5 level, you could go back through May and have like, I, I don't know, at least 15 hours of bonus material. So I implore you to do that. I'm truly not working. This is my job. That and teaching relaxation classes online. And this is how I'm making a living. So I I would say that if you want to support me, get on board and do it. Now, my goal in life is to be rich and do nothing. I'm, I'm about to turn 46. I may have by the time you hear this. And I never thought I'd still be working because that was a, what, what I thought as a teenager. You know, I thought, well, people don't work in their 40s. It's a, almost death. I don't know why when I was a teenager, I thought people had the lifespan of someone from the 1800s. <laughs> like, what did I think I was going to get? Black lung? Like, why did I think I was not going to be alive at 46? And I didn't even mean it in a romantic James Dean way. Like, oh, I'm going to die young. Like, I was literally like, no, I'm going to die old. You know, like 40. So anyway, um, 
but I planned on being retired by 40. And I was a fucking idiot. What did I know? Now I'm like, if I retire at 70, I'll have five years to relax. Uh, I don't work for the attention. <laughs> I just work for the money. And if I didn't need it, oh, you would never hear from me again because I am inherently lazy and not unproud of that. Too lazy to come up with the word that means ashamed. Ashamed. I had to say unproud. So there you go. You're truly saving my ass so that I don't have to go move back in with I can't even move back in with my family. I'd have to quarantine for 14 days first. Um, so yes, you're truly saving my ass by joining. Um, don't be like, oh, she's fine financially. Nope, she can always use the money to live on. Uh, and so that is how you do that. And you do that by going to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And you can uh, join and you can cancel any time. You don't get refunded if you cancel, but you don't have to pay the next month. And then, uh, or you can be someone that joins for a year and gets a 16% discount. Whichever one is up to you. I don't monitor it. I don't care who does what. You live your lives. You do your budgets. I know you might be like, Jen, I don't believe you. You're rich. I'm not joining your Patreon. Now, here's the deal. When I am working, of course I make more money than you. But when I'm not working, I make the same amount as anyone else when they're not working, which is zero dollars. <laughs> so please join. Okay, great. Now, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Okay, well, I was reading this article, not to brag, in the New Yorker. Oh my God, she's so smart. She reads magazines that have articles that are more than a page. And... It was actually kind of depressing, but like, I'll try to make it fun. You know, I was listening to old episodes of this podcast because I was trying to find clips for something. And I was like, I used to be so funny and like in a good mood and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I was like, oh yeah, you've been alone in a pandemic for five months. And I don't mean alone, no boyfriend or I need a hug. I mean, it, but it is one of those things, like if you don't have regular human contact, even going to writing jobs, which can be stressful and not everyone there's your best friend, you barely know the people, but you're around people, you know, eight hours a day. And then you maybe burn off steam, go have a drink with a friend later. Like these little interactions add up to sanity, right? And I haven't, I have seen two, two friends twice. I went on a socially distanced hike with a friend and it, I don't know, I get depressed every time I hang out with people because it's not what it used to be. So in other words, like as much as I'm a mask warrior, I'm definitely an asshole who won't adapt. So that's why I'm like, I'll just stay home alone. And uh, I've seen other friends, you know, backyard socially distanced hangouts. I've got the masks on. They won't wear them. Okay, fine. I've done that twice, but I'm like, ah, uh, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I live in a condo. So it's like, I see people when I get the mail and stuff. So I don't feel like isolated and alone. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. I kind of feel like, remember at the beginning of the pandemic in Italy when they were showing people looking out their windows and people were playing violin and all that kind of stuff. I have, um, I have a version here in the Valley and in <laughs> outside of Los Angeles where I live where I'm on my deck every night and it's like, you know, it's like a city like condo. It's like a little deck. And, but it's adorbs and like super comfy and I've got all my citronella candles going and blasting those mosquitoes and it's just cute. You know, I like it out there and I, I keep, you know, there's sliding glass doors. I keep them open. I might have like the TV on in the background and 
I'm reading a book or something and the people across the way in a different apartment building that face me, like they have a really cute outside and their lights are on and they've got their little plants and they're playing music. And normally that would bother me where it's like, don't play it so loud that I can hear it. You know, we're not that close. We're not that close in distance that I should be able to hear it. It means they're blaring it, but then I'm blaring my TV and I, we're all fine in a way. Like we all just kind of look at each other on our decks and it's like the non artist. It's like the non artsy, um, Italy experience like they're playing violins and you know smoking cigarettes and I'm like I'm blasting House Hunters International and my neighbor is playing hits of the 80s on Sirius and we're both just making noise but we're both sitting on our decks and I'm like well we're all doing the best we can so I know that the fact that I've even come to normalize that as human interaction should show how bad shit is where I'm like guys don't worry about me I sat on my deck and a stranger sat on theirs. We didn't acknowledge each other, but I heard their music. Uh, hello, I'm getting plenty of... So- like, so I'm realizing, well, Jen, that's maybe why I sound a little down lately or like can't think of anything funny to say is because I'm like clinically, like clinically, uh, not clinically depressed like depression, but the actual definition of the word, like I'm depressed. Like I'm, I'm being held down by circumstance, right? And... And it's very important to have human contact and human touch. And so, you know, I do, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. Everyone should, should join me if, if they live alone. And again, like I hate our society where it's like alone to everyone means single and sad about love. I'm like, I am not like it is. I don't want to live with a romantic partner. I, I, I am fine on I'm just saying that human touch can happen when you don't live with a romantic partner. So this is not about living situation. This is about pandemic has taken me away from being around groups of people every night. And my friends and I are all very touchy and huggy. And, you know, I do these meditations where, you know, whatever kind I'm doing, um, sometimes I I do a lot of guided ones lately and I hold my own hand. People are like, was this a comedy podcast? She's holding her own hand. I'm crying over here. But I do. It's, a, it's like a good feeling. And there's a thing you can do when you just kind of like rub your own shoulder. Like you got to do this stuff. Like we used to have human contact. You got to do it. You can't wait until a year, you know, and it's not about sex. That's the only thing. It's like our culture is like so degraded in a way that and, and just so like basic that all people talk about when they talk about being lonely is sex. And it's like it's not. Like you could be single, not during a pandemic, and you would not be talking about being lonely and not having human touch because we get that in life outside of romantic partners. So I feel like more people need to talk about that. Like our body kind of doesn't know the difference between someone else touching us and us touching us. So you can hug yourself. I mean, is this the podcast? You can hug yourself. This is what's happened. This is the podcast now. We're in a pandemic. I used to be funny. And now I'm like, you can hug yourself. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm losing it. I'm losing it. But it's true. You you can hug yourself. You can you can kind of just like rub, you know, like start at your shoulder, rub your arm. I'm doing a demonstration. Why won't you get the Patreon? You can see me rub myself. Oh God. Anyway, so I realized I'm gonna go a little easier on myself because I really just thought I was losing my knack for being funny, but it's just that the joy has been sucked out of my life. (laughs) And I'm having joy about how the joy has been sucked out of my life because that is the proper response. Like, and I'm not 
kidding when I say that. I'm truly laughing at the fact that I'm in total acceptance that right now there's not much joy. And so I'm allowed to have it wherever I find it. And that, uh, God willing, I'm lucky to live a long life. There will totally be more joy. Well, I'll be back out there. But right now, if I stop fighting it, then I'm okay. You know, and, and so that's what my problem is with people is if people could just sit home for like just a minute and check in with their feelings and go, why do I need to go to a restaurant? Uh, th- that's what you would come to is that like there's no joy and you're really depressed. But maybe if you sat home laughing about it like a mental case like me, you'd feel better. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm reading the New Yorker and this guy named Lawrence Wright wrote a, a history um, not a history, he talked to a scholar of the Black Plague, this woman named Pomoda, who lives in Italy. And she lives in Bologna, which is where, I mean, it was all over, but she talks about how the Black Plague affected Bologna. So, I didn't know a lot of this. And it's always very fascinating because, you know, like I've been talking with my mom a lot. She goes, Jennifer, I've been reading the book of Revelations and I'm just trying to get some answers. I'm like, well, you know, that's not really an answer kind of book. That's more of like God's mad. That's right. God is, he is so angry in this book. And I'm starting to think, what? Well, geez, we didn't do anything wrong. He's always, you know, he's sending plagues and starting fires and all this threats that it's so bad and, I don't remember, but that's not what Jesus said. And then I'm just getting like a mixed message. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I Did someone else write this? Yes, mother. Yes, mother. <laughs> someone else wrote the Bible. I don't care if you, listen, this is not anti-religion. I could be like, I believe in God. Jesus is God. But of course, humans wrote the Bible. The fucking Romans, like, come on, people. Catholic Church. Um, now, I'm not saying... Whatever, I'm going to get into this fucking religious discussion with you people. I love parables. Don't get me wrong. Are you kidding? I really do. I actually find if someone can take a parable out of the Bible that I would not understand just reading it and explain to me things, and I do listen to stuff like that, I live for it. It does help me. But my mom is very concerned with figuring out when the end times are, which is so funny because she's 82. So it's like, listen, lady, if the end times are now, you win. You made it through, you know? If you're 19 and it's the end times, you're like, ah, shit, I drew the bad life lottery, you know? I didn't have many good years. Um, You know, well, you had all good years, zero to 19 are great years, but you know what I mean? You You didn't have a lot of time on this earth. So, you know, but I said, mom, we've been talking about this since I was a kid, you know, hence my therapy is this end times thing that, that my Nana, my mom's mom was obsessed with is, is bullshit. It's control issues. It's anxiety. It's trying to figure something out. You're trying to figure out le- legit the biggest mystery of the world with no sense of joy about it. Does that make sense? Like I was thinking about the other day, there's nothing I love more than thinking about God and exploring what that is, even though I don't believe in God, but I don't not believe in God. It's not even agnostic. I don't care that I believe in God. I don't care if I don't. There's nothing more boring to me than someone who just like, I'm an atheist, bye. Like, oh God, you think that's interesting. You're you're a brick wall and you should be a, a, a jello wall that I can put my hand through and be like, whoa, cool. But the point is, 
I love thinking about all kinds of mysteries of the universe with a sense of joy. But, but my mom likes thinking of the mysteries of the universe with a sense of fear and doom and oh my God and the BB. And so I just said, would you stop going to the book of revelations for answers? I'll give you the answers. It's not the end times. We're all just a bunch of narcissists that think, that think when bad things happen, that it's the first time it's happened. Now, the only thing I can say that may be, you know, kind of unique to us is climate change caused by industry, caused by us spewing shit in the air. Of course. So that, that one has never happened before by industry. I'm talking about not the ice age. Yeah, I know. I get the earth does its thing. But all of this like plagues and th- this shit's been happening, plagues, you know, we didn't get it under control. The plague is not stronger than other ones. We did not get it under control. And by we, I mean me and Dr. Fauci. I am sorry to tell you guys this. I was working on it with him. And I was like, I, Fauci, I have this podcast and it's like a Patreon thing. And I have so many bonus episodes to record. Like, I can't look into this right now. And, you know, I fucking regret it. I fucking regret it. So I'm reading about the Black Plague and I'm like, oh my God, something's never changed. Except, so this guy is saying in this article, and I'll read you some excerpts from it. Pomoda, this, this woman in Bologna, who's a scholar of the plague, she said... During the Middle Ages, when there was the plague, people were fucking stupid. Hospitals didn't have separate departments, you know? It was like they didn't believe in in science really back then. Um, There were certain, uh, most doctors just went by astrology. Nothing, hey, nothing against my astrologers. And it's funny because that actually, that happened again with this plague where the people that know about astrology were like, oh yeah, we're not surprised that a plague happened in January because it's the year of the something. I'll I'll look it up really quick just so that I'm accurate. But astrologers weren't saying, you know, let's not have medicine. Um, Astrology, Corona. I guess 2020 is astrologically this really shit year. But, um, Astrologers tried to warn us about 2020. All right, so. Basically speaking, the cycles of many different planets are coming to an end, bringing drastic changes that will unfold over the next 30 years. The astrology of 2020 has been a hot topic in the astrology community for years. And not only astrologers, but leaders of many different cultures have referred to this year as a portal, a threshold humanity will cross in order to begin a new era. And so I guess there's a lot of epic conjunctions, as they're called, happening right now. So a conjunction in astrology is a planetary aspect that describes two or more planets hitting the same degree of the same sign in the zodiac at the same time, which causes their energy to combine and often intensify. Conjunctions are common blah, blah, blah. There's all these extra things, but there are three major planetary conjunctions on 2020's agenda, all involving social and transcendental outer planets and bringing major changes in our lives. The three of them are meeting with each other in Capricorn, that's Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. And the broad purpose is deconstructing and reconstructing the basic structures of our lives, 
all for the sake of our personal and collective evolution. Now, that sounds nice. And I ain't doubting astrology. But I think social media has ruined any chance of a convergence of bad things happening that are going to tip things into our personal and cultural evolution. I could be totally wrong, but when I see the amount of Nazi, Nazis, there are Nazis everywhere. It's not just a Halloween costume. It shouldn't be one. I'm just saying. If I came down from another planet, I'd be like, why is everyone in swastikas? Are we so post-Holocaust that it's like ironic to wear them not on Halloween? Like what's happening? Like there's Nazis, y'all. Nazis, okay? I just don't. And that's all made from social media and outrage. And I, I mean, I get it. Like, listen, no one believes more than me that things have to get better before they get worse. No one understands that. No one has seen that in her own life. I believe in humans. I believe in us. We're essentially good. But I don't know. Sometimes you don't win, right? I don't feel it in a negative way. I'm just sort of sitting back going, I'm neutral. I'm observing. I can't say what I have is hope. <laughs> I just... So... As with, it goes back to this article. So back in the dark ages, astrology wasn't just another point of view to take in for fun. It was, this is, this is medicine, you know? And so people were dying of plagues and they, the hospitals did not have separate areas. So if you had black plague, you were, you were there next to someone with a broken toe, everyone's getting the plague. But this woman, Pomoda says, Basically, like once all the dumb fucks died, then came the Renaissance. All these things got uncovered. People started reading. And I was like, already, we cannot look to the Middle Ages and go, oh, maybe that'll happen with us. No, we're dumber than the Middle Ages. I really, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you I'm hopeless. I'm not sad that I'm hopeless, though. I don't need a pep talk. I'm just telling you what I think. If you guys want to be hopeful, if that makes you feel good, please be hopeful. Someone's got to be. I'm going to just be over here going, what the fuck is going on? So, so here's, here's, here's a little bit of the article. And again, I'll make you feel better at the very least that again, there's been plagues. That's why I kept saying to my mom, mom, the purpose of God is not, he's not daddy. He's not there. If you believe in the, you know, my mom believes very traditional. God calls him. He, I go, he's there for comfort. No, no, he's trying to give us a message. There's no messages. We are evolved people past messages from God. There's no message. God, God is a concept. Start singing John Lennon. God is there to lift us out of our human experience, to see the, 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 the love, the spirit in, in all of us. It's the only thing we have, Right? If we lose all of our jobs and we lose all of our money and we lose all of our health, the only thing we have is like the spirit inside of us. And we're being called on to cultivate that and not fucking ignore it and sit in a restaurant with a mask on having a goddamn Bellini while exhaust fumes fly by because your table is in the middle of a street. That's not spirit. Anyway, my mom, no, I don't see it the way you do. I wish she saw it my way, you know? I wish she wasn't trying to figure out why God did this and instead just say things happen on earth. And if I'm a religious woman, then God is my, uh, God's my comfort. Anyway. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, 
a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So, do you think I'll ever get to this article or am I just going to keep fucking talking about something else? So, this dude, Lawrence Wright, who wrote the article, is talking to Pomoda, who is in Bologna. And she's talking about the Black Death, which is what they called it, which was the bubonic plague. Was I saying the Black Plague? Is it the same thing? I'm not sure. But it struck Europe in the 14th century. She said, not in the number of dead, but in terms of shaking up the way people think. The Black Death really marks the end of the Middle Ages and the beginning of something else. And that something else was the Renaissance. So Pomoda's retired. She was a, a professor at John Hopkins University. And she went back to her old city of Bologna. And she says, you know, they've been on this article. He talked to her over the course of a few months. But in March, she said, you know, in Italy, the streets are always crowded night and day. Our cities are medieval, made for a different way of life, not for cars, but for people. So right now to see them empty of people is so sad. She says in the Middle Ages, um, a plague stricken city like Bologna, you, you would have just seen dead people in the streets. Um, just as we have to send the army to take coffins to cre uh, crematories in other cities, as in Bergmano right now, in the Middle Ages, they couldn't cope with so many dead. The bodies just piled up on the streets. So Italy, at the beginning of the 14th century, was a conglomeration of prosperous city-states that had broken free of the feudal system. Venice, uh, other cities like Pisa, Amalfi, they set up trading networks, they established outposts throughout the Mediterranean and as far away as the Black Sea. Other Italian cities, such as Bologna, became free communes, which meant that peasants that were fleeing feudal estates were granted freedom once they entered the city walls. Serfs became artisans, a middle class began to form. The early 14th century was robust and ambitious, and then suddenly, people began to die. Bologna was a stronghold of medical teaching. The city's famous university, established in 1088, is the oldest in the world. Pomoda says they have what's called scholastic medicine. When we say scholastic, we mean something that is very abstract, not concrete, not empirical. When the king of France sought to understand the cause of the plague, the medical faculty at the University of Paris blamed a triple conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in the 40th degree of Aquarius, 
which had occurred on March 20th, 1345. So isn't it crazy, though, that now astrologers are saying there is a triple conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars. I believe it was in Capricorn this time. So again, we're not like going by that and not curing anyone, but just kind of fun to think about. How it, Nothing is new again. You see what I'm saying? This is not unique to millennials, like every article. The millennials have it the worst. Everyone's had it the worst all at all times. Okay, so... Giovanni Boccaccio, I'm not sure who that is, but he wrote um, in 1353 during the plague in Florence. Was it sent down by God in his righteous anger to chastise us because of our wickedness? I don't know. At its onset, in men and women alike, certain swellings would develop in the groin or under the armpits, some of which would grow like an ordinary apple and others like an egg. These pus-filled swellings called buboes were inflammations of the lymph nodes. They eventually erupted. Internal organs broke down in a bloody froth and bodies darkened with gangrene, which is why the plague came to be called the Black Death. Well, that's fun. It was killing millions of people, burning through China, Russia, India, Persia, Syria, Asia, Asia Minor. But again, this woman, Pomoda, keeps saying... Uh, that it brought in something great. So this is where it reminds me of today. The source of the disease was sometimes thought to be miasma or air that was considered unhealthy, such as sea breezes. So like the stupid idiot doctors back then were like, it's the fresh air that's killing you. So there was people that believed that people who cleaned toilets were immune from it, which led some people to combine themselves for hours a day amid human waste absorbing the presumed medicinal odors. Oh my God, someone on my roof. Um, the advice of doctors and the power of medicine appeared useless and unavailing to the people back then. Some people maintained that the surest medicine for such an evil disease was to drink heavily, enjoy life's pleasures, and go about singing and having fun, satisfying their appetites by any means available while laughing at everything. Others formed themselves into companies and lived in isolation from everyone else. So that's, and obviously you know what happened, is the people that were out and about were spreading the fucking plague. Even though technically, you, you want to be that person, right? Grandma, where were you during the plague? I was living life to the fullest. Like it sounds good on paper, but then you're like, it's actually a dick move that you were doing, you know? It's not like you were in a concentration camp that was way out of your control and it's not contagious to be in one. So you can be Roberto Benigni. Life is a beautiful and run around like that if you want. You know, inspiring everybody. But you don't do that when everyone's spreading everything to each other at a restaurant in Bologna. So anyway, after that, she said, what happened after the Black Death, it was like a wind, fresh air coming in, the fresh air of common sense. Doctors set aside all that hooey and turned to empirical evidence. She said, after the Black Death, nothing was the same. She said, I expect now something as dramatic is going to happen in our world. 
not so much in medicine, but in economy and culture. Because of danger, there's this wonderful human response, which is to think in a new way. Where? Show me where this is happening. LA, the smog is back because everyone's driving around. It was so great. The first three weeks of the pandemic, nobody was anywhere. I've seen pictures of LA that I didn't even know it was possible to look like this. I mean, I don't even think we're that smoggy anyway, but I didn't realize how, how we were until I saw these clear as day pictures. You could hear birds all hours of the morning and day and owls and animals were coming out. I mean, it was a little much. I don't usually have spiders, but I saw spiders. I was like, all right, stop it. There, everyone was like, we're taking over. And then everyone seemed to be appreciating it. And then like, my Pilates studio opened. I have to drive my SUV 20 miles. And it just, now we're just back to what we were. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm having an overreaction. Or you think that's possible? Um, but anyway, so basically what happened is Everyone was dying. There was economic and demographic collapse throughout Europe. But then after that, the Italian poet Petrarch, 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 P-E-T-R-A-R-C-H, Petrarch. 1345, shortly before the plague devastated Verona, the Italian poet and scholar Petrarch was rummaging through the library of the city's cathedral. Among the crumbling manuscripts, he found letters written by a Roman statesman and an orator um, who was credited with making Latin a literary language. This guy, Cicero, or Cicero, was almost totally forgotten, as were most of the great figures of the classical era. Petrarch realized reading this how degraded civilization had become. He christened the period after the fall of Rome, the Dark Ages. The beauty of Cicero's language, the rigor of his thought, inflamed Petrarch with an ambition to restore the glory of the past. And that meant opening the minds of his contemporaries to the possibility of change. See, we can't have that in America. We can't even say to some of these freaks that live among us, Let's go back to the past. They're like, yeah, let's kill black people and Jews. And we're like, no, no, not that past, you fools. The past where people knew how to write with a pen and used fucking complete sentences and knew how to read and didn't think it was would of and not would have. You know, when people actually went to see theater and dance and didn't just stare at a screen all day when people talk to each other. That, let's go back to that. We can have, we don't have to have some people can't vote and not the, not the oppression. We want the progression without the current nonsense. You see what I'm saying? Go back to eating fatty foods and not uh, non-fat filled with sugar where everyone's getting obese because we, we got fooled that fat was bad for everything. Just go back, go back, go back. <laughs> but not the bad go back. We can't do that. That's never going to happen here. Never going to happen. We must destroy social media. That's what I think. So anyway, this Petrarch guy sort of brought shit back. And then we had a renaissance. Artists were reclaiming ancient techniques for drawing and painting with perspective. Musicians recovered melody. Humanism unsettled the stagnant rule of religion over people's minds. You had uh, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Brunicelli, you know, all foundation stones of European thought. 
science and art, Western civilization, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen here. We got people think the earth is flat. It's been proven it's not. What do they need it to be flat for? What's the, what's the joy in that? Why do they want, if you believe, so, like, if, if someone proved to them the earth is round, like, what, what, is, what would that do to their life? Well, how would, I don't understand. Dear God, I don't understand. Sometimes I think, even when she's describing the medieval people, I'm like, they, don't, they still don't sound as dumb as us. And at least they had an excuse. They're like, excuse us, we're medieval people. We're not, I mean, how are, the fuck are we supposed to know anything? So anyway, that article, it's a, there's all these articles like, don't worry, after something comes this. And I'm like, I don't know. I just see Nazis. I just see swastikas everywhere. So, I mean, maybe I need a pep talk. So I've got some listener emails. I'm going to talk a little bit about earthquakes. I was going to talk about what I call Twitter sociopaths. I'll do that next week because there probably won't be a lot of time. But um, yeah, so just again, a shout out to my Patreon subscribers. I was thinking about how, uh, do you guys know what War of the Worlds is when uh, Orson Welles did this radio play about aliens, uh, you know, landing in America? And it was, it was a radio play and they said, this is a radio play. And then the play on the radio was not just your normal play, but it was like a fake news report. Like, aliens have landed, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, it was reported that people were freaking the fuck out over this, like, just in a panic, and everyone was losing it because no one had listened to the part that said, this is a play, this is not real. And there's been a few, um, like, interesting articles written since then that were like, actually, that was kind of blown up. People really didn't panic and freak out. That was kind of an urban myth. So... I'm not sure, you know, if you have anyone in your family that was alive during War of the Worlds, ask them. But I'd say my $35 Patreon level is a bit like War of the Worlds. So if you pay $35 a month, you get um, a bonus, a mini bonus episode every week, a big bonus every month. You get all kinds of stuff. But you get your name put into a story that I tell on the podcast. And the premise is that you're one of my best friends and this is how we met. (laughs) And I hate having to say it's a bit because I think the fun of it is, I don't know, maybe some people just want to play this for someone and they don't want me going, this person, not really my best friend. But when when I don't do it, people think it's real. And I told a story once months ago that I gave someone a $30,000 tip, which I never did, and that she never paid me back. And people are writing me, I can't believe you can afford it. Th- oh, forget, forget it. It was a bit. But this week, I would like to give a shout out to my Patreon subscriber at the $35 level, Deborah Dawson. Deborah, truly one of my best friends. And you know what's interesting? This is how we met. I was in the library, this is pre-COVID, and I was searching for information on astrology because I was just, you know, curious. And, and so Deborah worked at the library. And I was like, do you have anything on astrology? And she was like, why don't you just Google it? And I was like, no, I know, but like, I want to do real research. Like, I want to just sit around with books piled up and, and really just get back to what things used to be like. And Deborah was kind of annoyed. She was like, you're the only person in, in a year who's asked me to actually go and get books. And oh, I guess I'm kind of annoyed. Usually I just point people to the computers and tell them to Google it. I was like, oh, well, that sucks. 
And I was kind of judging her, you know? Instead of sitting there looking through all my astrology books, and she came over and she was like, I'm sorry, I've been judging you. I was like, I've been judging you. I think you're the rudest bitch I've ever met. And she's like, I think you're dumb. She goes, how do you believe in astrology? I said, it's not that I believe in it or don't. I just think it's fun. And I do think some of the traits I have are true. And she's like, no, that's such bullshit. Everyone can say, oh, I'm a Capricorn because sometimes I'm moody, but sometimes I'm happy. And I said, no, people always say that, but there are really specific things that that really make sense to me and that have helped me understand myself or be in acceptance of certain things about myself. And I think whatever, you know, my therapist could tell me something 10 times, but if I read it about myself in the form of a horoscope, sometimes it just sinks in that way. And who cares as long as I get there? The goal is self-improvement and self-understanding. And she said, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm being a jerk. And I said, well, you sound like a real Aries. And she's like, I am an Aries. How did you know? And I was like, because I think there's something to this stuff. So anyway, so one night I invite her over to my place for wine and she brings this little telescope that she has and we're looking out and we see something. We don't know what it is. It's literally an unidentified flying object. Don't know if it's from outer space, but we see it crash. And we're like, well, now we have to tell someone because it could have been a small plane. And we're like, oh, this is so annoying because we wanted to finish the bottle of wine, but we should probably just drive out to the area. So we get in the car, we drive out to this area. I don't know if I should say this on the podcast because I don't want the authorities coming after me, but it was completely a UFO from another planet. And we just took a bunch of pieces from it and put it in our purses. And we're like, this shit's going to be like, we're holding on to it. We just left the crash. There was no bodies there. Like, I don't know what happened if there were aliens in it or they just sent some kind of machine without alien bodies in it. But we took most of the parts and the rest of them we buried. I'm not telling you where, but we did drive to Palm Springs that night if that tells you where they are. And we kept the rest and we have these interesting pieces of a spacecraft. And it's kind of like our thing. I put one of the pieces on my vision board. She was like, you're such a dork. And I was like, I know. And then, um, cause I guess my vision is like, does it expand my mind? I don't literally want to go to space. So anyway, we each have pieces of this spaceship and we figure we're holding on to it. We're going to announce it publicly. Like I assume I trust my podcast listeners. Don't tell the authorities, but we're going to tell the authorities. I don't know when we feel like people really need a break from reality. I don't think we're quite there yet. So anyway, Deborah is my sister in crime. I love her. And she's a $35 subscriber. And, you know, just sit down and have an old-fashioned discussion with someone sometime. And you could strike up a friendship and end up having a great adventure together. We always call ourselves the Thelma and Louise of spaceships. I know it's not that, like that creative, but... So, any hoosies, doozies. So, we had this thing happened a couple weeks ago. Or I think it was about 10 days ago now. Well, by the time you hear this, I don't know what day it is. But as no one cares, Jen, no one cares the day, what are you saying? Thank you. So there's an area of California that I'd actually never even heard of. And I wake up one morning in the middle of the night. I have to pee. Or maybe it's like 6 a.m. And I just check Twitter and it says, There's been a little cluster of earthquakes, a swarm of earthquakes in the Salton Sea. 
That's all I saw. I'd never heard of the Salton Sea. And I was like, fuck, I bet that's in California near the San Andreas. I can't stand it. It seems to be inching closer. It's totally, I was totally right. That's what it is. So the Salton Sea is this place. It's, it's kind of right on the border and it smells sulfuric. Everyone says it smells like ass. So basically, when there's a swarm of earthquakes in this little area, It's an implication of earthquake risk in Southern California because it's near the San Andreas Fault. And three earthquake clusters that occurred in the direct vicinity of the southern terminus of the San Andreas Fault in 2001, 2009, and 2016 raised significant concern regarding possible triggering of a major earthquake on the southern San Andreas fault line, which has not ruptured in more than 320 years. So they started rumbling again. And there's this woman on Twitter, Dr. Lucy Jones. She's an incredible woman to follow if you're into seismology. She lives in California and people are always tweeting at her the minute anything happens. And I think she's like, you guys don't live here. If it free-. She's always says, uh, there's a 2% chance every year that, that the, you know, 2%, the risk of the big one in California, which I believe at this point would be the entire of California, the risk of the big one, which would be catastrophic, increases every year by 2%. And it's going to happen in the next 30 years. So she's like, if this scares you, simply don't live in California. And when we had that big earthquake last year that so many of my friends that weren't in town for it denied how much it shook me up. It still lives inside my bones. I thought, I don't want to be here for this. And what the good part about being on the road all the time was I was gone at least 150 days a year. And I always could console myself with maybe the big one will happen when I'm not home. And now I'm like, okay, I would like to buy a house. Now, I in my neighborhood... It's too expensive to buy for me, millions of dollars, but I rent. That's affordable to me in this neighborhood. So if I buy something, I go somewhere cheaper, right? But I'm thinking, well, I don't even know if I can buy anything because I'm not working, but like eventually, you know, in a few years when I can really think about buying something. The reason I'm bringing up buying something is because I've always been opposed to buying I've always been like, it's just easier to rent and like you can come and go. But as my life is changing, I'm like, oh, I see. I see. I don't want to travel for work so much. I want to travel for life, for fun. But um, I'm not going to be gone as much, you know. So COVID's kind of like re-scrambled my brain a little bit. So I'm like, okay, what if I buy? I'm like, I don't, the thought of putting down roots in California, I know disasters can happen anywhere. But this one is like, on the books like it's gonna happen and the little earthquakes all the time are starting to freak me out and just like they bother me like it just and I have all my kits I mean you I'm like a prepper I have three earthquake kits that shit that you won't believe like crowbars and lasers and flares and radios and toilets and space outfits and gloves and sanitary things and water and food like I've got one in the kitchen one in the hall closet one in the car I will be okay if something doesn't fall on me, you know, to survive for a while. I've got cash hidden. I've got everything. I'm like a freak. So I'm as prepared as can be. I have all the required things. I just don't like that feeling, you know? 
and it's a relatively new thing for me. It's like, I always feel like something's shaking. I don't like it. So anyway, everyone's tweeting at Dr. Lucy, what's going on with the salt and sea swarm? And she's like, I'm on a hiking vacation. <laughs> Somebody tweeted, where is at Dr. Lucy Jones when you need her? And she wrote, on vacation, hiking without cell service. <laughs> so basically, all those little earthquakes, they were 10 kilometers from the fault line, which to me seems real close. Dr. Lucy said, um, <clears throat> no. If they were one kilometer away, that'd be riskier. Today's quakes are 12 kilometers away. I'm not cutting my vacation short. She's so just like, what ofs? I feel like she secretly wants the big one too because she's just like, <laughs> she's just like, whatever, you guys. Like, I think she's just a thrill seeker, but she's really smart. And you follow her if you live in California and this shit freaks you out. And also follow this guy, Jacob Margolis, who's also a seismologist, he's like way too excited about earthquakes. I also think he secretly hopes the big one happens and that he's here for it. I don't have any of these desires. I don't like it. But I'm like, what if I bought something like, like New York City, obviously too expensive. And then like, I don't want to go, oh, I'll buy an apartment that's the same cost as a house and I'll live in a studio, like not doing that. I'm like, what if I bought a house in New Jersey or somewhere in Connecticut? And I'm like, then that's my life. It's, this is why buying a house is something that I, because I, I can't decide where I live. And then I go, oh, it might be cool to live in Austin, Texas or Asheville, North Carolina, but I'm not living as a touring comedian, which when you do that, you can live anywhere. You can live in Birmingham, Alabama, which I love Birmingham. And there's gorgeous houses there for like four cents. But ultimately... I think, God willing, fingers crossed, somebody hire me, please. Going back to TV writing. Why did I say it like that? If I say it like that, who'd want to hire me? TV writing. As I did a couple jobs last year and stuff. So it's like, I am a TV writer. I have to live near New York and LA so I can get to work um, and have meetings and get last minute things. Like it's just, if I were a touring comedian who had 10,000 seat theaters and making millions. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd go live anywhere, but, but LA, but, uh, it's just kind of, if you work in the writing industry, you at least have to be, I'd like to be at least half hour, you know, not more than a half hour commute from any given thing. So, but that's, this is boring. Just like someone who's not buying a house fantasizing about it. But I, I just, these earthquakes, I'm telling you, I'm, and then see, this is where it all, it all comes back. Now I sound like my mom. I've been reading the book of Revelation. See, you can't undo your wiring, can you? Because I'm like, I'm thinking there's an earthquake coming. But it really is like, I've been living in oblivion for like all these things Dr. Lucy's talking about, all these signs that the big one's coming. I've lived in LA almost 20 years and I never thought about any of this stuff. I was hop, skipping, jumping around, living my life, even during the hardships. Oh, I have no money. I'm eating noodles, you know. I wasn't thinking about earthquakes. I was like, that's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, now it's all I think about. Is it because everything seems apocalyptic and I have too much time on my hands? I don't know. I don't feel like I have too much time on my hands. I'm doing all, I'm doing Patreon. I'm doing all this stuff. But I just realized, as I said, you can't stop your wiring. But anyway, so we'll see what happens but it really does remind me of, I got offered a temp job, not to brag. People are just throwing abundance at me, $13 an hour to work in the World Trade Center. And I said, no, because a terrorist is going to attack it. Now you might go, wow, how'd you know that? Because one did try to attack it in the nineties, but it wasn't a plane. It was, uh, 
someone with a bomb in the in the you know bottom floor of the trade center in the lobby area whatever basement there's a whole underground mall there you know it's a whole thing but um no I I just I was like I don't want to this job was on the 40th floor and I was like I don't want to be up that high I was like if something happens I can't get out I'm afraid of heights and I truly used to say like a helicopter could crash through I used to say helicopter not a plane and people like okay well you need a temp job I'm like well I'll get one in a different building so I'm having that feeling about earthquakes does that make sense Getting my, oh, hey, I got my groove back. I talked about 9-11. That's, if you're new to the podcast, it's something that comes up a lot. <laughs> okay, let's read some listener emails before we get the fuck out of here. Um, should I put on my listener email music? It's just sort of like, I'll just put, I don't know why this isn't going through the Bluetooth. Battery, 90%. Connected to back here in Okay. Let's read some emails from my listeners. Maybe it should be more like music without lyrics. This is one of my favorite emails I've ever gotten. All of you who've sent an email and feel bad that I, yours wasn't my favorite. Prepare your fifis. All right. Hi, Jen. Long-time listener. And I just wanted to share something with you I thought you'd get a kick out of. A few days ago, I got married. Congratulations. My husband and I got engaged listening to the podcast. That's cool as shit. How come I don't get engaged listening to my podcast? That would freak me out. And I've always thought it was a cute story. We've bonded over your comedy through the years. Now that is a good relationship. (laughs) We've bonded over your comedy through the years, and you were even our first comedy show. Oh, my God. Is this, this is like, is this, it's a wonderful life. Like, if I was never born, would you not be married right now? Have I performed a mitzvah without even knowing it? Is my life just one big mitzvah? And then, and this is where the Catholic in me comes in and goes, that's right, it is. You're here to make others happy and nothing good will happen for you. You married the wrong man out of haste because you didn't really know what love was supposed to be. And then you worked on your career so much and then you just sort of hate men because they've been imploding lately. So you'll, you'll be alone forever. And... And your career you picked, well, that can't happen because of COVID. So, yeah, it's going to be real hard for you. But you've made so many other people happy. <laughs> that's not, my mom would never say that, but I, that's the wiring in my head. We bonded over your comedy through the years, and you were even our first comedy show. Well, you seemed to be at our wedding in spirit because our officiate took us completely by surprise when he mentioned how we need to live, laugh, love. <laughs> Right in the middle of our wedding ceremony, my husband and I about died laughing at the altar. 
I think the guy marrying us was very confused. I assume a lot of couples probably find it a sweet remark, but we simply couldn't stop laughing, thinking of the podcast and how that horrible phrase (laughs) randomly ended up in our ceremony. It took a bit to compose ourselves, and we're still laughing about it days later. I just had to share. Thanks for the laughs. That's the best story I've ever heard. And I do believe I was there blessing you in spirit. Live, laugh, love, everybody. Hey, Jen. I really enjoyed your Morrissey stories the other week. It's fun when you talk about your music interests and histories. Alanis Morissette is coming out with a new album, July 31st, and I wondered, were you ever a fan of her music? I don't think I've heard you talk about her, but I've only been a podcast listener of yours for a couple of years. It would be cool to hear your take on her music as a Gen Xer. Love the podcast, and the Patreon is exceptional. Ah, thanks, Kevin. I wasn't a fan of hers because I thought I was too cool. Um... I was into like, you know, more Riot Girl, Bikini Kill, L7. Courtney Love's not a Riot Girl. She's different, but whole, you know, my women were screaming or they were like songstresses like Eliza Minnelli or something. But Alanis was a little more pop. And I think I was just, you know, the thing with Alanis was I was just a little too old when she came out. Like, I think I was like 20 or something. And I feel like if I'd been 15, it would have really hit the spot. And I'm not calling her music immature or anything like that. But I'd already heard pop music that I liked. And I'd already heard angry music. And so, like, it didn't. But I will say I secretly did used to listen to her songs. But I had this thing where it was like, I couldn't even honor the secret part. Like, secret to who? I wasn't, like, walking around all punk. Like, I don't know. It was so weird back then. Um, in, in the sense of, like oh, I, that's not my identity that I like Alanis Morissette. So it's like you stop yourself from doing things. But now I think her album Jagged Little Pill is like pretty revolutionary and pretty awesome. And her voice is amazing. And she seems like a cool person, follows me on Twitter. No big deal. Bought one of my books. I like her and I celebrate her. And I think her album was really cool and important and feminist and, and just neato. And I like her, you know, um, like going to India and all that, you know, she's, she's doing the work on her soul. You know, she was famous young and she's got a lot of the problems that come with that. And, uh, she was doing the work, you know, there's a lot of good songs on Jagged Little Pill. I really love, um, All I Really Want. I think this is a really good song. Where is it? All I really want from Jagged Little Pill. Where is it? 1995. Yeah, so I was 21. Now that seems like one years old to me, but back then I was like... Do I stress you out? My sweater's on backwards and I'll turn out and I say, how appropriate. I don't mean to say, to, whoops. I don't mean to tear you apart, you see, but I can't help it. And there I go, jumping the gun, the fall down, But I like this, um. Uh, uh, uh. It's a good song. And what I really want. 
some justice. She wants intellectual intercourse, a soul to make the hole much deeper. I like that. And I am no, I mean, the music is completely up my alley. I don't know why I was denying it all those years. A ways to find a common ground. She's cool, man. She's great. She's got that nice song in, what's that song? Wait, is that not on this one? What's the one? Thank you. Thank you, India. What album is that on? Was that on a different album? Oh, that was on a different album. Right? What the fuck is it? Or maybe it was on that. But she was singing about like going to India and doing spiritual stuff, you know? I mean, I know the Beatles did, but not a lot of girls were doing that. I didn't realize then how bad shit was for women. And now I look back, I go, she's cool as shit. You know? And I like when this beat kicks in. I like this part, right? And here we go now. Thank you, terror. Thank you, disillusionment. Thank you, frailty. Thank you, consequence. Thank you, thank you, silence. Now, the thing is with her, I thought she was too pop for me, but she's, she wasn't, and she's deep. And, and, you know, I'm not the spring break type of girl, and, and Alanis isn't that either, you know? She's not singing about champagne and stuff. She's singing about, you know, not binge eating and forgiving people and going to India and finding herself, you know? I'm sad, I'm sadder I wasn't more into it then. Cause now I get the drift she's putting down. She'd be fun to hang out with in quarantine maybe. She wouldn't be at a restaurant. What's that good? This is good. the moment I got more than I could handle the moment I jumped off of it was the moment I touched down how about no longer being masochistic well how about doing your podcast 
How about that? What is she doing? Well, she had a nervous breakdown, and then now she's just singing along as those people are paying for this. Well, some people have the free version. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Guys, I'm doing my best. I am sheltering in place in a fucking pandemic. What do you want from me? But I do want to remind you guys. Oh, oh God. Oh God. I want to tell you guys something that I'm really excited about. I am loving the anxiety. No, I'm not teaching anxiety. I'm teaching you out of anxiety in some classes. I call my mom. We talk about the book of revelations. We predict things. No, relaxation classes. I can't tell you how much I love it. You do not have to have bad anxiety to do this. You, you, you have to do nothing. If you want someone to just lead you through some guided things and th- who tell, it's almost like nap time at kindergarten. It's like someone tells you to lay down and to breathe in and think this and breathe out and think that. And we do that. And I play like singing bowls. And then I tell you some facts about physical relaxation. I tell you some facts about breathing. We do non-meditation meditations, which is secretly me teaching you to meditate, but it's fun. There's a sense of humor there. We do progressive muscle relaxation where we tighten and relax your muscles. And all of this stuff is scientifically, clinically proven when done preventatively to help eradicate so much of your anxiety. Trust me, I've done it. I'm still neurotic in my head, but I do not have this anxiety. And I'm so in touch with my feelings because of it. And and I think that's a lot of times why people don't want to do anxiety work. And again, this isn't for, this is very basic. This is for like stress, wanting to calm your mind by doing stuff for your body. I don't address like very specific isms that people have because I'm not a doctor, but these classes are fun and they're an hour with me and you get a video of class after and you get like this 20 page PDF. So I've got a few different lesson plans. Some are about breathing. I think like in September, I want to do a bunch of different ones. Like I was thinking of calling one of them like Saturday night breather. Come on, that's fun. Um, But I've got one coming up this Sunday which is the best of, and I really love this one. It's progressive muscle relaxation, but it's so gentle and lovely. And then there's, you know, like affirmations we say at the end to yourself while meditating and a fun non-meditation meditation and a quick breathing exercise. Just a lot of fun factoids. It's this Sunday, August 23rd, 11 a.m. Pacific time. You can sign up by going to jenkirkman.com and click on Anxiety Bites. That's the little uh, tab there, but it all goes through this website called buymeacoffee.com and it's 12 bucks and 15% of it goes to the American uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And I have one, um, my audience that's listening might not hear this, but anyone watching on Patreon, a special discount $5 class tomorrow night, Wednesday, it's breathing. So there you go. And anyone listening, if you can't afford the Patreon, but you want to throw me a couple bucks for my anxiety newsletters, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Jen Kirkman. And you can just throw me five bucks and be like, I love all your newsletters. If you want to get, um, if you want to get copies of my newsletters and subscribe to them and also get a big 48 page PDF with all this stuff you can learn about anxiety, just send a request to anxietybitesweekly at gmail.com. And just put anxiety help in the subject heading and I will send it to you. And on that, we'll end with Dave who says, the timing of your newsletter was spot on, at least for me, for the past month. I've been feeling my anxiety with thoughts about my breathing. I'd gotten to the point where I was analyzing almost every single breath. I've since gotten back to not obsessing. And it's weird knowing that I'm not the only one having these issues. 
I know I'm not the only person who suffers from panic attacks, but I always envision it as different for others. Nope. None of us is unique. Not, not one single one of us. Um, I have a therapist and a psychiatrist and I meditate. I have a lot of work to do and what you've been doing in your podcast and with the newsletter has really helped. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Using your time to help others is incredible. You know, it's really kind of you guys to think I'm doing this like to be nice. It's pouring out of me as though it's some kind of calling. I'm not trying to do it. It's, it won't stop. Like I, I just, I'll drop what I'm doing and just start writing for an hour about it and putting together a lesson plan. Like it's pouring out of me from this depths of my soul. I, I, and I, you know, I do send out a free 48 page email that I wrote and I do send out free newsletters every week or every other week with videos. And, and it is like a 30 hour, maybe like a 20, 25 hour week job. So that's why I don't feel bad charging for the classes because it's like, you get all this stuff, you know? And it's kind of like, my second job next to the Patreon and I'm doing it to survive, to be honest. But I figure if I can survive while helping other people, that's great. But I, I love it. Like I, I love it. If I were, you know, I always say I wouldn't work if I were rich, but I would still do this if I had millions. Of, like I love this. So it's, I don't think of it as anything that I'm being kind about. I just feel like it's like exciting for me to think that this once terribly anxious person who could not live her life has anything to offer. It's thrilling. It feels, it, I don't, I can't take any compliments about it because it's, it's no effort for me. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's joy. It's a, it's a joy in my life. So please don't thank me for having joy. I'm glad it's helping everyone. Okay. Well, we'll end on that and, uh, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Until next week, have fun.